You're listening to Sermons by Living Word. We pray today's message will bless you and help you grow in your relationship with Christ. Proverbs chapter 3 this evening. Proverbs chapter 3, we've been looking at verse 5 this evening, and I'm only going to look at two verses. Most of my preaching, I actually preach very large passages, and tonight is going to be a little bit different for me, but I really believe this is the direction the Lord would have us to go. So Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this evening. Father, we're so grateful to be able to gather in your house this evening. Lord, I'm thankful for the good singing we've done so far. Lord, I'm thankful for the opportunity to fellowship with your people. And Lord, I'm thankful for the safety that you have given us in guiding us here. Lord, I'm thankful for the time we've been able to spend with family and friends. And Lord, I'm thankful now for this time that we can gather and we can hear from your word, Lord, and you can minister to our hearts. And Lord, I just pray tonight that you'll touch me as I bring this message. Lord, please just help me to say everything that you would have me to say. Lord, help me to be a blessing to your people. And Lord, I pray that most of all that your name will be lifted up and glorified. And Lord, that we'll be drawn closer to you than when we came into this place. Lord, just have your touch on me tonight. Lord, I cannot do this apart from you. The song is true when it says that all is in vain unless your Holy Spirit comes down. And Lord, I just ask that your Spirit come down tonight. Lord, touch me and help me. And Lord, I pray that you'll get all the glory and the honor for everything that's said and done. And Lord, we ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You know, I've often heard it said within Christian circles, and I'll be honest with you, I've even said it myself. You know, I would just love to have the hotline to heaven, to have that phone number that I could call and be able to talk straight to Jesus and be able to hear His voice and talk to Him. Or, you know, I've seen the the posts on Facebook where somebody will put a, a park bench and they'll have it in a nice little green park area and the sun's shining and it says, I would just love to sit down on this bench and talk to Jesus. And, you know, I'll admit I would love to be able to sit down and have a conversation with Jesus. I would love to be able to be in His presence in that way. But, you know, I've thought about, I've wondered, what is it that makes us say that statement. What is the context that we often use that phrase in? Or we, we talk about that, being in the presence of Jesus, calling Jesus on the phone. What is it that we are looking for when we make that statement? And you know, as you examine the context that we use that in, a lot of times it's not that we're wanting to praise Him face to face. It's not even so much that we're wanting to be in His presence, to be there with Him, but what it is that we're interested in at that time is to be able to ask Him all of our questions, to be able to ask Him all the things that we don't understand about our life, to be able to ask Him directly, Lord, what is it that you want me to do in this situation? What is it that you are looking for from me in this way? And many times we want to know, why did you allow this to happen in my life? Why did you allow this trial to come? Why did you allow that person to hurt me? It's not that we're interested in Him so much as it is what we can get from Him. The questions that we're wanting answers to, the things that we don't understand. Because what it really is that we're looking for is His will. We're looking to hear what is your will 
in this situation? What is it that you want in this situation? And you know, in our, in our modern Christianity, in our modern society, we have oftentimes painted God's will to be some sort of mystery that is almost nearly impossible for us to find out. I want the will of God for my life. I wish I could just figure out what God's will is for me. I wish that I could just know what it is that God wants me to do. And we treat it as if it's some kind of mystery that we just can't seem to figure out. We look for it, we long for it, and we never can seem to find it to our satisfaction. And we've treated it as if it is some sort of mystery that is beyond our ability to understand. And so a lot of times we just continue on making our own decisions, doing the best we can, and just hoping that God is going to be pleased with what it is that we say and do. But I'm glad that I can come here and tell you tonight that that is not the way that it has to be. And in fact, when we look here in Proverbs, the writer of this proverb is telling us, he says there in that very last part of verse 6, he says, and he shall direct thy paths. That word shall is a very valuable word when we look at it in the Bible. When we see that word shall, it means it is going to happen. It is a guarantee. You don't have to wonder about it. You don't have to question it. If you see that word shall, it is a guarantee that whatever they are talking about is going to take place. And what he is saying here is that if we follow these verses, verse 5 and in verse 6, he is saying if you do these things, if you obey these verses, Verses, then the Lord shall direct your path. He is saying God's will is not going to be a mystery for you. But there are some requirements that we find here in the verse in order to be able to enjoy that kind of blessing of knowing God's will. And I want to say this evening, I truly believe a lot of the reason that the church is so confused about God's will is because we're not doing what the rest of these verses tell us to do. It's not that God is hiding His will from us. It's not that He doesn't want to share His will with us. It's that we're not interested in doing the work to be able to find that. But I truly believe that if you and I would follow what it is that these verses tell us, if we would heed these verses, if we would apply them to our own lives, then we could enjoy the will of God fully and freely and without the question and confusion that we so often associate with God's will. So I want to share with you tonight the title of my message and the thought I want to share with you is the recipe to God's direction. What is it that we have to put together to be able to enjoy the direction of God in our lives? The first thing I want you to notice is that in order to have God's direction in our life, there must be a reliance on our part. There's two things that point us to that here in this verse. We see it says the very first word. What does that tell us there? It says trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. And then we see it again. It says, in all thy ways acknowledge Him. In order for us to be able to enjoy the will of God, to find the will of God for our lives, there must be a reliance on God for that will. That sounds like such a simple thought, and yet so many times we struggle with that. We battle with that, that reliance in God. And I want to look at these two words here. That word trust, I looked it up, and the definition of that word trust is simply to have confidence in somebody or something. That they will do what they say they're going to do, or that they are something that you can put your confidence in. Have you ever wanted somebody to trust you? 
Have you been trying to get somebody to do something that you wanted them to do? You tried to get them to try a food that you have fixed and they're a little uncertain about it and they're not so sure. And what do you say to them when you're, when you're trying to convince them? What is it that we often say to that person? We say, just trust me. What is it that we are wanting when we make that statement to somebody? We're wanting their confidence. We're wanting them to believe that what we are saying is actually true. We're wanting them to believe, I know that this food is something that you are going to enjoy. I know that that roller coaster that you don't want to get on is something that you will actually have a good time on. But the fact is, we want people to trust the things that we say. We ask people to have trust in us because we believe that we have something that they will enjoy or we believe that we have something that they need. And you know, that is exactly the same thing that God does for us. God has the things that you and I need. He has the answers to our questions. He has the remedies for our problems. He has everything that you and I need to be able to make it successfully through this life. And what is God telling us here in this passage? What is He asking for us to do? He's saying, trust me. Have confidence in what it is that I am telling you. God can do great things for you and I, but there is a requirement to have that, and it's that little word, trust. It's having confidence. Just saying it with our mouths, because you know, a lot of times, you and I like to say, well, just trust God. We want to give somebody counsel that's going through something, and we say, well, you just got to trust God. You just got to believe in God. We use that word, trust, all the time. But the fact is, a lot of times, it doesn't go any further than our mouths. We don't truly trust in God. We don't truly believe that He can do what it is that we need Him to do. We say it with our mouths to make ourselves feel better when in fact there really is no trust in our relationship with Him. But can I say tonight, we have a God who has proven Himself trustworthy. If you look all throughout the Bible, you look as God's hand worked and God's hand moved. I've been studying the early parts of the children of Israel just as Brian has been here lately. I've been reading through Genesis and reading through Exodus and I recently finished the story of how God brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. And you look, they found themselves time and again in places where it just seemed like nothing was going right, where it seemed like everybody was against them. And at times it even seemed like God had brought them to a place where He was trying trying to destroy them. And every single time, God said, just trust me. Watch what I can do. And we watched as He split the Red Sea, as He destroyed the enemy, as He brought them out of that place of captivity. Time and again, God has shown Himself faithful. And I can tell you tonight, God has shown Himself faithful in my life. I don't have the wife I have because I went out and found her. I have the wife I have because I put trust in God that He was able to bring me who it was that I was supposed to have. I don't have the house that I have that I'm living in today and the two acres that I get to enjoy. I don't have that because I went out and found it. In fact, I had just gotten done with a very long period of not finding houses. I had tried very hard to find a place and been very unsuccessful. And it was not until I came to that place where I said, God, you are going to have to do it because I am failing miserably. It was at that time that God brought me the place that I was supposed to be. What was it that changed? It was trust. It was confidence that He could do something that I could not. 
And if we want to see God's will worked out in our lives, the very first ingredient is trust. But can I say, there has to be a totality of that trust. What does the very next thing say? It says, trust in the Lord with part of thy heart. Trust in the Lord with most of thy heart. It says, trust in the Lord with all of thine heart. There has to be a completeness of our trust. You know, so many times we like to choose, we pick and choose what areas of our life we want to trust God in. You know, a lot of times, I, you know, I think about this coronavirus and everything that's going on, and, and a lot of times I've heard people talk about it and they say, well, you know, I'm not worried about all of that. I, I trust God's going to take care of me. But the very same person who was not worried about that virus spends their whole drive home worrying about how they're going to pay the bills. The very same person who's not worried about their health is worried about their wallet. The very same person who's not worried about their wallet is worried about what's going on in their family and the things they can't control. Why is that? Because there's not a totality of their trust. There is a choosing of the trust. But can I say, if we want to fully enjoy God's will, if we want to fully know and understand God's will, you and I cannot choose the areas of our life that we want God's will in. James chapter 1 verse 8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. What does that word double-minded mean? It means one minute I'm full of faith, and the next minute I'm scared to death. I'm worried about something that's going on in my life. And it says that kind of man, that kind of woman is unstable. There is no stability in that kind of life. What is it that's lacking in that kind of life? It's not church attendance. It's not paying the tithes. It's trust. And it's a totality of the trust that makes a difference in that life. But I noticed that second word, to acknowledge. That word simply means to seek or discern. What does it mean to acknowledge Him in our lives? What that means is it means that we want His guidance in our life. We want His direction in our life. We want Him to show us His way. You know, all of us, if I were to go around and ask in the room, do you want God's will for your life? All of us would say yes to that question. All of us would say we want God's will for our life. But let me ask you, do you really want God's will for your life? Are you really acknowledging God's will for your life? You say it with your mouth, but do you really mean it with your heart? Are you really acknowledging God in your life? Are you really seeking God in your life? Are you really wanting that answer from Him? Or if you did get that phone call, would you spend the whole time wasting it so that you didn't actually have to hear the answer? Because the fact is, that's what most of us actually do in our relationship with God. And you know, I find even with the acknowledging, there has to be a totality. It says, in all thy ways, acknowledge Him. In all thy ways, seek the answer. In all thy ways, look for God to guide you. You know, God wants to be a part of every part of your life. God doesn't want to be a part of the big things. When the sicknesses come, when the money runs out, when you're going through those struggles and trials, that's the time that we most often invite God into our lives. 
But you see, God doesn't just want to be there when things get hard. God doesn't just want to be there when the problems are big. God wants to be there every day of your life. God wants to be there every second of your life. You know, I was so thankful. I was having a conversation with Mike one day and we were talking about seeking God's will. And you know, he made such a simple but a profound statement that has stuck with me. He said, there is no big and little with God. We see things as big and little. We see things as major or minor. But our God created all things that you and I see. Our God is above all things that you and I see. And the things that seem so little and so insignificant to us mean just as much to Him as those big things that we often take to Him. If we are going to enjoy the fullness of God's will, there has to be an acknowledging, a seeking, but there has to be a totality of that seeking. It cannot be a partiality. If we want the Lord's will, we have to be fully seeking His will. But I'm moving on to my second point. There must be repentance in order to enjoy His will. And you may say, well, Justin, where do you find that in this passage here? I don't see anything about repentance. But I want you to look again. It says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. I want to ask you a question tonight. How can you trust God with all your heart if there are parts of your heart that you don't want Him to see? How can we trust God with all of our hearts if there are things in our life that we don't want to trust Him with? If there is sin working in our hearts, if there is sin that is working in your life and through your life, if there are things that you are hiding from your family, hiding from your friends, and even trying to hide from yourself, how can we trust God with all our heart if those things are still in our hearts? I have to be honest with you, I've been learning this lesson the hard way here lately. You know, when I was in high school, I was not saved until my senior year. And I made decisions at that time that were selfish, that were for me, that were against God, that were against my family. I made decisions that I regretted. Decisions that after I got saved, just a little while later, God convicted me of, I asked His forgiveness of, but I was so embarrassed, I was so ashamed of those things that I tried to tuck them away. I tried to put them away. And in fact, those things had specifically hurt my parents, and they didn't even know that it was going on because I'd hidden it from them. And I figured, well, if they don't know, then there's no need to upset them now because all this fell out about six years later. And so I said, well, why even tell them now? And so I tucked it away and I hid it in my heart. But you know what I found as time went on, as, as I was wanting to draw closer to God, as I was wanting to have His will in my life, as I was wanting to hear His voice speaking to me, I heard him say, you cannot know my fullness until you're willing to give me all of your heart. And what was it that I had to let go of in order to have that totality? It was that thing that I had tucked away, that I was trying to hide. Something that had happened six years ago. Something that had happened so long ago that wasn't even a part of the picture anymore. But why was it that I had to let go of it? It's not that it had hurt my parents. It's not that it was affecting my relationship with them. It was that it was affecting me. Because though nobody else knew it was there, I knew it was there. God knew that it was there. And there was something that was preventing me from giving Him all of my heart. If you and I want to know that fullness of God, there has to be 
a repentance. Whatever it is that you've got hidden deep down inside. Whoever it is that you have wronged, that you have been unwilling to go to and make it right. That has to be addressed before you will ever be able to hear God's will. What is it that you need to repent for? What is it that you need to get right tonight? But can I say there also has to be a renouncing. Or in other words, there has to be something that we let go of. When we look at it again, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And what is the second part of that verse? It says, And lean not unto thine own understanding. And boy, is this the hard part for us to address here in this verse. This is probably the part that I like the least. Lean not unto thine own understanding. That word lean simply means to support oneself on. You are putting your weight on that thing. You are trusting in that thing to sustain you, to keep you standing, to keep you going on. How often do we lean on our own understanding? How often do we look to what we can see in a situation? When people are hurting us and they're doing things to us that we don't like or things that are are hurting our hearts or hurting our lives, we look at that situation and we can only see what we can see. And oftentimes we take that and we try to use that to get God's will for the situation. Or maybe we see some other area of our life where we are afflicted or something that's going on in somebody else's life. And we look at that and we say, well, I tell you what, if I were in that situation, this is what I would do. If I were going through that, this is how I would fix it. I'll be honest with you. In recent days, I have seen a whole lot of man's understanding being shared all over the place. When you look in politics, what it is that we are seeing, we're seeing man's understanding. We are seeing what that side thinks about the situation. We're seeing what that side thinks about the situation. But nobody on either side has thought to consult the one that actually sees it all. We are seeing man's understanding being planed out. Well, what do you think about the coronavirus? What do you think about the coronavirus? What do you think about this politician? What do you think about this president? We're seeing man's understanding, but are we actually going to God to see what he has to say about the situation? We see it and it's, it's become so easy with Facebook because any of us and all of us can get on there and say, well, this is what Justin thinks about what we're dealing with in the United States. Well, this is what I think about this. Oh, well, I think that's funny. That goes along with what I think, so let me share this post. When the fact is, we didn't actually look to God to get that answer. We didn't look to the Word to get our opinion on that. Why is that? Because we are putting our trust in my understanding. I'm putting my trust in what I can see. But can I say tonight, you and I have a very limited view of what is actually taking place. Because when you look at that person that is hurting you, You can't see what's going on in their heart. You can't see what's going on in their life. You don't see the work that God is doing in them. When you're dealing with those financial issues, when you're dealing with that sickness, when you're dealing with those things that just don't make sense to you, there are things that you and I cannot see that are going on behind the scenes. You look at the life of Joseph in Genesis. He never once saw all the things that God was doing behind the scenes. But you know what he did? trusted in the Lord with all his heart. And I can say if there is anybody in the Bible who did not lean on their understanding, I would say Joseph would be a perfect example of that. Joseph did not lean 
on his own understanding. And we see how God blessed him and how God worked through his life and brought him to the exact place that he needed to be. But what did it require for that to take place? It required a renouncing of our own understanding, of our own knowledge, of our own sight of the situations that we're going through. There must be a renouncing. But I want to say lastly, in order to enjoy this guidance in our life, in order to enjoy God's direction in our life, there must be a response in God's direction. We have seen all these things. There has to be that reliance on Him. There has to be that repentance. There has to be a renouncing. But there has to be a response. Where do you see that in this passage? Well, and this one actually was new for me. When I looked at this passage, it says, Trust in the Lord. And that tiny little two-letter word is a whole point. It says, Trust in the Lord. And I looked up that word there, and I actually, I don't like doing this very often, but I actually had to look at the Hebrew in order to be able to get the full scope of this word. And that word, it says, Trust in. What does that word in imply in the Hebrew, it actually implies movement. And not just movement in any direction, but more specifically, it implies movement in a specific direction, towards someone specific, towards something specific. In order to have God's will for our life, we have to make a movement in His direction. It says, trust in the Lord. And that's where we so often fall short because we use that word trust with our mouths. We say, well, I'm going to trust the Lord to help me in this situation. Well, I'm going to trust the Lord to show me His will. But we never actually make a movement in God's direction with our faith, with our trust. We say it with our mouths, but all the while our heart stays in the exact same place of fear, of worry, of misunderstanding. I'm reminded of James chapter 4 and verse 8. It says, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. How is it that we are going to know the will of God? I'm gonna, I promise you, we cannot find it if we are keeping God at an arm's length. We cannot enjoy God's will if we are not enjoying Him first. In order for us to be able to fully trust Him, in order for us to be able to know His direction for our lives, in order to be able to have that kind of guidance, we have to keep ourselves close to Him. Don't just trust. Trust in Him. Move your trust from yourself and move it to Him. Move your understanding of your life and your situations and move it all to Him. Move your heart, your affections, your focus, your confidence, everything that you have. Take it. Lay it at His feet. Make a movement in His direction. And the Bible promises us if we will move towards Him, He will move towards us. That's why 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your cares upon Him, for He careth for you. I am glad we have a God tonight who is able to handle our situations. And not only is He able, but He wants to handle our situations. He wants to show us His will. He is not hiding it from you and I. He is not keeping it from you and I. But the fact is, we are keeping it from ourselves. What is it that we have to do if we want to enjoy the will of God? The Bible says, trust in the Lord. 
with all thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. The recipe for God's direction in our lives.